Welcome to Chasing Life, episode 10, for June 6th, 2023. We're into the double digits. Double seven, digits. Seven was always the magic number way back. Really? If you could make made it, it past seven, seven, you'd make it to like 20. Really? Yeah. So we got to do 10 more weeks of this shit? <laughs> <laughs> this time of year, it's actually hard to figure, like to get a time. Because yesterday, like, it's, it's, Thursday, it's Tuesday. We're normally record on Monday, but yesterday it was like... 9.45 when we were finishing everything. I had some other like home admin things that I needed to take care of that were a bit pressing. So um, I'm taking Maya and her girlfriend to Montreal this weekend for a grad slash birthday trip. So I wanted to get that sort of organized. So if that kept us If anybody wants to come lane. help with kids while, while we're milking in morning and evening. And you by we, you mean you because I'm going to be away. Yeah. yeah. Me and the boys. Yeah. Because they can't be here. So I don't know if we've admitted to this on the podcast yet, but one of the ways that we've been getting milking done with the boys is... Now it's a one-person job. When now, it was a two-person yeah. job. Now we've kind of got it streamlined enough that one person can get it done in about the same amount of time. It doesn't really take that much longer. Unless you're trying to separate cream. Yeah. Well, we'll circle. <laughs> That's not going to happen this weekend. We'll circle back to that. Um... Oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, so we would, I, we would put the boys in their car seats and strap them in and put a show on the iPad for them so that. Like at the back door, like three steps from where we yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the back door of the barn. Like we use the parking lot from the gym and park in the nearest spot to the gym and kind of put the windows down so we could hear them if they were yelling and screaming, which they usually were. <laughs> um, but at least we knew that they were somewhat safe and enclosed because Ruby doesn't really like the boys very much. They can't be in here. She didn't like them very much before, but she definitely doesn't like them now that she's had a calf and she's hyper vigilant about people being around. It's like you came to the back door with the boys the other day when I was milking and it was like the tap got shut off. Like she stopped letting down as soon as she heard Hudson's voice. So it was like, oh man, this is frustrating. Get that kid out of here. <laughs> so for now, I mean, Hudson can't be in the barn when we're milking, which is unfortunate because he really wants to see the baby yeah. and he hasn't really had a, too much of an opportunity to hang out with Lionel as much as he would kid, like. Kids got to learn some chill. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they don't really like me all that much either because I'm the same way. The cows? Yeah. Lionel's a bit skittish. Yeah. Like well, he's, he's not as... Um, I don't know. I would like him to be a little bit more. I mean, well, she's in the stanchion. I've gone into like, I, I keep know. going in the stall to try to like, just pet him and stuff. And you kind of got to pin him down, which sucks. It makes me nervous that he's a bull. <laughs> and as he gets bigger, this skittishness, like, like a dog, I'm assuming. Cause like if a dog is shy and skittish, that can turn into aggression very quickly. And I hope that isn't also the case for cattle and if it is then he's going to get the short end of a bolt gun a lot sooner than we anticipated oh we need to get him banded yeah well yeah wrap up those testes um but we also found out on saturday morning that his dad is actually a beef bull 
which was news to us. I thought that he was a Jersey bull, but um, the reason it makes sense that uh, the farmer that we bought him from um, knew that he was likely not going to be continuing to um, grow his Jersey herd. So he stopped using AI incurring the expense of artificial insemination and just put his Jersey cows out onto the pasture with a beef bull because he could keep milking the cows as long as they were pregnant, but really didn't much matter what, you know, that. I mean, and, and to have a cross with a beef cattle was a better, more uh, advantageous offspring to, to have on the farm. Certainly. So um, that kind of, I mean, it doesn't really change the game because we had already decided what Lionel's fate was going to be. Um, this this conversation came up because we thought that maybe someone was going to be interested in buying him as a Jersey bull, an intact Jersey bull. Um, but they wanted to know his lineage. So I reached back out to Brad and asked him if he had been tested. And in in finding that out, we found out that Ruby is A2. She has been tested and she is A2A2, which yeah. is so, good news. So the new thing, some of the new like dairy science is A2 milk is more palatable for humans. There was a genetic mutation. That it's caused... not new. It's not oh. new science. The science goes all the way back to the 70s in that book that I was reading, um, The Devil is in the Milk, uh, which is an interesting book, but very, very technical and really gets deep into the weeds on like A2 and beta KTC and protein and like the opioid receptors that are in milk like histidine and it gets into like the chemical competition composition like in position 64 of the protein structure in a2 milk is um oh shoot uh i want to say it's lipase and then in a1 milk it's actually histidine and your body actually has an opiate response to histidine so it's um it's actually quite detrimental. And so this science is pioneered by some researchers in New Zealand. And I think it was just, I don't want to go all conspiracy theorists, but I think it was pretty suppressed for a long time because it was, it's detri detrimental science to a billion dollar industry, a, the dairy industry. Yeah. So I think now as more, um, you know, accepted science is emerging. And if you want to sell a product that is, palatable. And I think, mm, I think that the growing interest in A2 milk is in response to plant milks and nut milks kind of taking the stage as replacement for big nut. <laughs> I keep, that's not what I was going to say. I wasn't going to make a joke. It's big nut. Big mm -hmm. nut was surprised. The A2 genetics. Uh, I keep getting ads about like People go like, don't buy your almond milk from the store. They've got this like machine that makes this better milk. And I'm like, we bought a machine that makes better milk too. Her name is Ruby. Her name's Ruby. And yeah. she's about 800 pounds. We don't keep her in the kitchen. No, certainly not. Can you imagine? Ugh. I read in the Keeping the Family Milk Cow book that they used to actually keep the cows in a part of the house to help heat the house. Well, if so, I mean. Like back in the day, like 1700s. Like. Oh, no. Like uh, in the 40s and 50s in Holland, like so because I know a bit of history there and we walked across it and I saw actually a lot of the houses that were laid out this way. Like my, my grandparents grew up in a house that was like in Holland in general. They built a barn and they had a house literally on the front of it. Mm -hmm. 
Like that's just how they did it. Yeah. You went out like there, there was no back door of the house. It but was they, just a door to the, the barn. They kept the cow near the living space to help heat well, the home. I have to imagine if you built that, of course it's all thatched roof and everything. I, I guess if you build that, like your house attached to it, you're going to get heat from that. Yeah. Like it's going to, and a part, and part of it back then was in a lot of cases, they didn't have a way to keep milk or the um, water from freezing. Mm-hmm. They had to go in the winter. They had to go out six times a day and keep breaking the ice off the top of water. Mm-hmm. So they just, attached the house to where all the animals were so it was just easy to go out there Mm -hmm. which is always like this weird like not that long ago yeah so and i saw them like my dad went to went to the house where my grandfather stayed during the war and like saw the the whole layout of it and literally the barn is attached to the house they just like interesting they they basically built them right next to each other and makes it easy the house was a lean-to on the barn or vice versa i'm not sure which which way it went but yeah so yeah, we found out that she she is a two. She was tested. The calf certainly yeah. is not because he's part beef cattle. I don't Which know. Which totally explains why he was so darn big and, and dark and dark. Like his his hair is so dark. Like he's a really really dark brown. And he, and I don't know if this is just because he's a baby, but his head is so blocky. Like he's got a stocky little neck. Like he's gonna he's gonna be a tasty boy. He's gonna fill her freezer one day. Yeah. We're going to have to buy a new freezer one day. I'm sort of torn in like wanting to be kind of like, oh, baby cow and snuggly with him and like not getting too attached to him. I watched a video on Abundance Plus and there's a guy, Homestead Meatsmith, Meatsmith Homestead. Mm, Yeah. Is that the link that you sent me today? Yeah, that's the court. So they do butcher courses. So you can actually go to the, they, they're about a half hour outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. You can go down and do a course. It's like 12 or 17 bucks, something like that. Um, and it's like a two day course. And they basically, you go and they got, they raise Texas Longhorn and you go down and actually like hands on help butcher and everything. So, hmm. but it was actually, he did a, they did a video on abundance plus at Justin Rhodes farm. Cool. And, um, they could not put that video on YouTube. Yeah. They showed. Uh, they didn't show a pig. They showed sheep and cow, and it was start to end. The like it wasn't the whole process, but they showed all of the gory bits. Mm. And I actually had a bit of a hard time. Yeah, I'm like I'm gonna have to get better. But he he actually said one part of the thing was like he's talking about dispatch. He's like you have to approach the animal and understand what their nature is. Mm-hmm. When you go out into a herd of cows with a shotgun or a bolt gun, or not a shotgun, a, a rifle or a, a bolt gun, um. They're like, it's actually best for the animal to go do that in the pasture with the herd. Mm-hmm. I think I remember Tara from Slowdown Farmstead saying something about that as well. You have to, he says, you have to understand the nature of the animals. And he said, same thing with like when they do sheep or they do pigs. He's like, pigs are very cerebral. And actually he ties it to the reason why pigs are so smart is because they're omnivores. Hmm. Because we need to remember what we can and can't eat. Mm-hmm. Pigs have to do the same because there's things that pigs have access to that if they eat will kill them and they need to remember that. Whereas cows won't eat stuff that they don't, that they can't process. Hmm. So he says like, that's why, but he said, if you talk about a pig, he's like, if you take that away from its herd, like because pigs and cows and sheep are herd animals. It's like when you remove it from that and you force it up a wood ramp into a trailer and then you take it to a slaughterhouse and force it through that whole process, whether it's a cow or a pig or whatever. Their cortisol is through the roof. They, they respond to that and it makes it tougher on them mm-hmm. he's like humanely he's like if you kill one in the field with all of the rest of the herd they don't have a fear of death like we do mm-hmm. they don't understand what's happening the animal's just like different there 
mm-hmm. and they don't have a problem with that whatsoever. Well, and I think I re- recall, and I don't know if it was a blog or a video that I watched from um, or read from Slowdown Farm said, and Tara said, like, th- they do that. That's how they um, color animals is like in the, fe- in the pasture with the other animals present and the other animals kind of like almost come over to say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, he did, um, they did a sheep and he says, you can actually... With a pig, he's like, you just go out and do it. With a cow, he's like, you can lead them over to like a place that's familiar. That, uh, it, Justin Rhodes has like a mobile stanchion almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, they just kind of bring it over, tie it up to the stanchion and take a, take a rifle and kind of just sit and wait for a good shot. And the thing just literally goes thud. Mm-hmm. And with a sheep, same thing. He says, you can actually go with a sheep. And in general, because they're kind of docile animals, like they, they, res- they will relax when, when you do stuff to them as a person like they they don't have the same fear of it he's like they actually pick it up he's like you kind of hug it a little bit mm. and it will chill right out to the point he says where you can set it down on the ground walk away get a knife walk back oh, over no, and no, no, no. they and okay. they he says they like it's amazing they won't get up i think that when it comes time for lionel to to meet his end we'll have to hire somebody um Perhaps I don't know at all. I'm I'm hoping to be able to do. I mean, I think being present is one thing, but but actually, like this is this feels like another bridge to cross, mm-hmm. like we did with the chickens. Like it's it's another hard thing. That well, oh. I, I I I was the same Shit, way. We're 13 minutes in, and I'm already choked up. Jeez. I I was as I was watching the video. I said I was the same thing. I'm going like. I really want to do that. And I know it's going to be difficult. I know that I'm going to have a hard time with it. And just to clarify, you don't want to do it. You want to ex- to have that experience I'll so that you understand how to find a link to that to video. It. So if anybody who has Abundance Plus... Or you know what would be really it. great? If you could get a deer this fall in <laughs> advance. No, like seriously. 100%. If you could finally get a deer... <laughs> I, I thought that actually when I was turkey hunting, I'm like, I am way more comfortable with what I have to do post-release of an arrow mm-hmm. because I've butchered a pile of chickens. And to be honest with you, I think I'm more comfortable with having to clean out a deer and butcher that having done chickens. Yeah. I, I think it would be a good stepping stone. I thought about trying to get somebody to come up and help out. Not that I wouldn't do most of it myself, but somebody to come and kind of like handhold beside us as we're doing it. Um, because I don't know a, that I can be present. I don't know. I think once the, the hardest part for me is the dispatch. Once mm-hmm. that's done, I think I'm, I can do most of the rest of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Partly because you kind of know it has to happen and you kind of just get the job done. Yeah. Um, Timing yeah. will be important for us too, because we don't like, we'll be looking at, you know, getting Ruby inseminated again within the next, you know, month and a half or two months or so no two months two and a half months because it's 60 to 90 days and it's only been two weeks so i don't want to be having two calves at the same time and i know that he'll be a mature calf but he'll still be a calf because he'll still be a yearling but i don't we don't have the space or the time we can leave him out but whatever we have to like fix fences and he's already sneaking out of the fences that's because he's little he can walk under some of the Such a little shit. Yeah. But I mean, in general, he's he's hanging out with mom. He he gets into some some shenanigans every once in a while, yeah. but he usually ends up going back to mom anyway. So but 
yeah she's such a good mama she's doing so good yeah they're uh it's funny when i went out to get them when we were going to milk today i'm like even earlier actually when i first came home when i was coming out and just kind of puttered around a little bit i was like where is he the grass in that back pasture is higher than he is when he laid down. Yeah, it's so tall. I panicked like, the one day because I couldn't see him either. I just saw like a little bit of little, like little nubs hanging up. Like you could just see the little ridges on his head. You have to look for his twitchy ears. <laughs> anyway, so we found that out Saturday because we were trying to figure out what we were going to do with them. And then this weekend, well, we, we didn't a, do much We had a visit weekend. from Mike on Friday. Yeah. So Mike popped by to have a look at the hay and kind of see where we were at and we had already cut hay thursday night um i spent some time on the tractor i don't think that was thursday that was earlier than that no it was thursday it was, it was i think it was monday night it was there for like almost a week okay anyways i can we can we can fight curiously i want to know actually because i want to know how long we let it there before it dried so you know what honestly it was tuesday night because kate was coaching the seven thirty class and i was out on the tractor during yeah. the seven thirty class so it was tuesday night yeah. so we cut it on tuesday raked it on saturday raked it you raked it on thursday you di- you diffused it all out on right. thursday and then mike popped by on friday to have a look at it and then you cut the Bailage on well hold on just a second mike kind of looked at it and and we kind of said well we just kind of wanted to take a little bit down and and we thought that we were going to wrap that hay but it turned out that we were wrong and we let it dry and we're just okay well we'll just bail it for dry hay and here's where it gets complicated because it's are we ready like it's not just grass (laughs) Like, it's just grass. It's not just grass. Like it this is winter feed for two animals. And so and potentially more um farmers if we end up selling some to Jess and Jen and you know, if we end up putting a sign on the road saying hay for sale, although I think that puts us way in over our head if we decide to do that. But anyway. Um so Mike kind of popped in and said, It's a weird year for hay. Everybody is having a bit of a hard time. Two barns in the area already burnt down because people bailed their hay when it was too wet and it can spontaneously combust. It can create heat as it starts to ferment inside in the presence of oxygen and it can combust. So that's, you know, something to be a little bit aware of when you're thinking about when is the right time to bail your hay. So we were cautious about that because you already have a fear of fire. We don't have to be like putting wet hay in the barn and you staying up all night thinking that we're going to burn the place down. Were you going to say something? As I (laughs) just today moved all of that hay into the drive shed. Yeah. I listen. It's dry. It's really dry. It's dry. (laughs) It's really dry. So, um, Mike came over and kind of said, gave it got gave us some pointers that helped us formulate a plan so the plan was to to bale the dry hay on sunday but before that we were going to cut the other third of the pasture and bale it within 24 hours for wrapped baleage and the idea behind the wrapped baleage is so you you cut rake and bale the hay within 24 hours and then wrap it in shrink wrap essentially and so baling it really wet and then wrapping it it ferments in the absence of oxygen so anaerobic fermentation but it needs a little bit yeah so um 
not too much because you don't want it to grow mold or spoil. Um, but it will ferment in the absence of oxygen, much like sauerkraut, for example. Um, and then it makes the nutrients in the, in the grass and the hay, um, more bioavailable to the cow. So we're going to use that as winter feed for Ruby. Um, so that was the plan. So we got help with the boys cause we knew it was going to be a long day. So we kind of had to divide and conquer and separate the boys. Um, we recruited help, for recruited help for getting some hay on the field, off the field. Um, and and I think our plan was solid. We just couldn't account for equipment failure. So Saturday afternoon, I'm going like, well, we're going to wrap tomorrow. So let's get this baler going. Or the uh, bale oh, wrapper right, going. Right, right, right. So we, we wanted to make sure that we at least had all of our equipment, you know, at the ready. Well, hadn't even taken it out of the crate yet. Yeah. So the bale wrapper um, was missing some parts. Important parts. <laughs> Like the, parts, the handle, <laughs> the parts, the handle, which which we could solve with a pair of vice grips, because you know carnies. And then <laughs> the bigger the bigger problem was the actual, like the rack or whatever that the silage go the silage wrap goes on, was completely missing. So we had to ha- come up with some redneck ingenuity and create a stand for the the shrink wrap He's a roll to go on. <laughs> and, and another pair of, no, no, I was going to say another pair of ice scripts, but no, we didn't, we didn't use it. It was the most one. gangster, like just like redneck setup ever, yeah. but it worked. It I mean, worked. it seems to have worked. Yeah. I would have liked more tension, but we'll post a picture of it. Cause I mean, it, we ended up getting 52 bales done and there's uh 48 bales of dry hay now stored. Yeah. So we, we put a hundred bales of hay up. Um, there's still more in the field that needs to be wrapped. That's getting to the point where yeah, I don't think it's going to be any good. So we ran out of bale wrap. Um, I was kind of looking at how much we had left and knowing that we could get about 10 bales per roll. I was looking at it and, uh, kind of seeing what was left on the wagon that needed to be wrapped. And our friend Luke, um, the, the Superman fireman was helping us with, the bale wrapping. So he and I were wrapping bales. Eric, um, one of our coaches came out to help. He was able to stay for a couple of hours and load some bales. And, but that was when we were having a really hard time with the, the baler. So Eric did a little, like he loaded the wagon and was super helpful, but he, there wasn't a ton to do. There wasn't a ton to do. And he ended up standing around a lot and he's got a new baby at home. So he wanted to get home to his wife and his baby. So understandably, and he, he actually sent me a text and apologized to say like, sorry, I couldn't stay longer and help. And I'm like, listen, we're probably going to do it again now that we kind of have a better idea of what we're doing. So we only ended up doing half the field, like not even half the field. There's still that kind of section in the middle that we didn't get cut. So we probably got a little north of a third of the field cut and bailed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hundred bales. So like, and now these are, I'll be honest, the hay, the dry hay is brutal. There are some bales that are probably 50 pounds and some bales that are 20 pounds. Really? Yeah, Why is so, it so inconsistent? I, cause, cause it all Cause depends. we don't know what we're doing. Yeah, cause we have no <laughs> idea. What so, so a couple of things. I was driving too fast. Mm-hmm. Think, oh, no way. <laughs> I think all the time. Um, cause I kept blowing shear bolts on it. So mm-hmm. I went through like an embarrassing number of shear bolts on it, which is a nightmare process because you have to get the bale out of it. Which when the shear pin breaks, it's 
the the bale is the eject, nearly the ejector is run by a hydraulic cylinder that runs off of the PTO drive. So when the shear bolt breaks, the PTO drive is not connected to anything. So you have to manually open it up. There's locks on it. I don't think there's an easy way to do it. You just have to like open the sides, pop the locks, lift the thing up, have somebody else pull the bale out, mm -hmm. get it all cleared out, put it back, rotate the whole thing so the shear bolt lines up and the whole thing's still connected to the tractor. So you have to actually grab the rollers that are supposed to roll the bales. Like it is just a nightmare process. So. And you probably broke what, like 15 bolts? I don't think it was that many, but I don't even want to try to count it because... No, it's just, embarrassing. Like, yeah. And so, so that meant like stopping to go and get bolts and stopping to fix the tractor and stopping and like how many bales of hay ended up well, getting wasted and not like, none wasted because what well, i did was i rolled them out and right, rebailed them right but still like yeah. it was a lot of time spent not producing so i bales. think the big thing with that is it says on it like to bale like wet grass and stuff like that i don't think I think, I don't think that that thing's real good at doing bailage. No, I don't think so I think either. It's, like, I, think I think it's, it's it gets capable. overwhelmed it's very capable, quickly. But like, I was going so freaking slow. Mm -hmm. Now, when I went back to do, because we bailed that first because we wanted to get it wrapped and had a little bit more time with the hay figure and I can just run the thing. There's no rain in the forecast, which is kind of a blessing right now. Mm -hmm. So I figured like I can just bail the rest of it and I bailed right till dark. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't even see the ground anymore. It was so, it was dark enough. Um, but I could just get the bales, get them on the ground and worry about them tomorrow type of thing. And actually we did that. I picked my up yesterday and had her drive the gator and you guys did such a great job. I didn't touch any bales of that dry hay. She did. So she drove the gator. The boys were in it with her kind yeah. of uh, tottering around and you're going like two miles an hour. Yeah. yeah. So like, and I, so I just kind of like riding on the thing, got them all on. I was one wagon load. I'm surprised we got, I thought it was going to take two, but we got mm -hmm. her all on one wagon load. It was about too high on it. A couple extra bales kind of thrown up top, the real light ones. And then this afternoon took me about another, had 20 minutes or so to get them all in because I pulled the wagon right up to yeah. the drive shed. What did you do with the ones that were a little bit loose? Like, so a couple of things, the twine, when then it rolls around the bale, it doesn't actually tie it off tight. I tied every single one of them. Oh, did you? Good. Okay. So That'll, I pulled them, I rolled I, them. The reason them tight. why I asked that is because I'm just thinking about like moving them from the drive shed onto the tractor, off the tractor, into the barn. I imagine Like, are they just going to explode? Up. But still, yeah. like, like transferring those bales from the drive shed into the barn are they just going to explode all over the place because they're not tied tight i was but able to move good. them onto the wagon then off of the wagon and stack them relatively well so it's like three high four wide four deep nice so what i did was like when i pulled the heavy one off put it on the bottom right so i made the whole bottom is is like heavy stuff so we try to what we're going to try to do is take everything from the top first try to get rid of the whole top row first mm -hmm. and it's going to go fast because they're light bales there's mm -hmm. not much in them and then work our way down and um were there enough skids on the floor oh it ain't a third full okay good like we could get so you don't want to come out too far because it's not got front on it right, right. so like i that's why i kind of like kept it back a bit. well that and i was trying to figure out like how many good bales for base right so it worked out to be like three high four by four um no we're not halfway up and we're not a third of the way across that's good so we could we could probably get that's 48 we could probably easily put 150 there and there would be a lot of room between the front and the... Now, so what would you like to do? Would you like to put more dry hay up or would you like to put baleage in the drive shed? Uh, I, the baleage is fine where it is. There's some rolls that need to be... There's some bales that need to be 
wrapped because as like I said we were getting low and we were running out and so a little bit I, well because I had to go to Mike's place and bless his heart he was on his way to a funeral and took my call and um said that I could go into his shed and find he had some part rolls of bale wrap that were far too big for our machine but it got Made the job work. done and <laughs> um yeah we kind of we were wrapping the so the bales that we initially started wrapping, we we did eight layers of bale wrap. And partly, then... Partly because we're not that sure what we're doing, so we wanted to overdo it. Yeah. Um, but in chatting with Mike, he said that he uses six or seven mil plastic and they do six or seven wraps. So, I mean, it, was, it wasn't that much more than what Mike would do no. for his um, wrap day. So... When we started seeing that we were not going to make it, that we weren't going to have enough wrap to get all of the bales done, we started kind of scrimping a bit and said like, okay, well, at least we can get them wrapped. And then when we get more plastic, we'll just put them back on the machine and get another couple um, layers on them. So we marked them with an X. And Luke, again, bless his heart. He's way too strong and way too tall. He stacked the the wrapped bales four high and the whole tower has collapsed. So now we have to move all of those bales again. So hopefully um, nothing got punctured when we, when we restack them, we'll have to give them Mm -hmm. a good once over and make sure that nothing got punctured. And if it did, we'll just put it back on the machine and give it another whirly do on the turntable. I think we should do the same idea again. Do a bunch of more wrapped stuff and do a bunch more dry stuff. (sighs) Oh, The idea of doing that again. We don't again, have to do it all in one day. No, well, but you kind of do. Like, we can, we can. No, well, I suppose you could do baleage on one day and, and wrapped hay on another, on dry hay on another day. Yeah. The problem is we're getting to the point with yeah, the, the grass that it needs to happen because you, you want to do it before the, the grass, well, the, the grasses have gone to seed, but the clover and the alfalfa and the fescue um, are starting to flower. And then what happens is the protein is now converted well it's gone out of the grass right so it's the plant has put all of its energy up into the plant head so we'll have to go out and take a look at it and if it's if it's all gone to flower then i think our best bet is to mow it down and then try get a second cut yep we'll get a second cut yeah it's supposed to rain soon soon shit we haven't had rain and i have i like two weeks it's more than that yeah it's been a bit i thought about it this morning i was like they need a counter Mm. like x number of days since rain Um, so it's not just grass. It's a lot. It's a lot to learn. It's a lot of work to do. It's, I, our equipment is on the cusp of being too small. For the volume that we're doing. Yeah. If you had, so we did probably, we might've done three acres. Yeah. And that's okay. Like if you had a three acre like hayloft that you were doing it, our yeah. stuff's perfect. And that, but that's laughable. Like <laughs> oh, when he's yeah. like, Mike did 70 acres in a day and you're like, yeah, fuck, but... it took us all day and so many people to but help. A 40 horse open station but, tractor. But look how many people it took for us to be able to get that done. Like we had an army of people helping, like, yeah. which is, which is beautiful. Like, oh. So what we did here was what everybody remembers. Anybody you talk to that's like over 30 that's ever done hay on a, with with buddies or something like that. 
that was like we had a big communal dinner yeah like because we had pe- like the people looking after the kids all came over like all that i had so- made um some baked pasta some super easy like pans of baked pasta and strawberry rhubarb crisp on saturday night so that it throw could it in the oven throw and... it in the oven and then just keep it warm it was a little bit dried out but whatever everybody was so tired and hungry that it was the best thing we've ever eaten but that's what i said like that is what everybody talks about when you say to somebody like yeah we're gonna do hay and everybody's like oh i remember doing hay when i was a kid oh, i loved it yeah. it was great da, 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 da. i'm like hey beer never tastes better than at the end of the day doing hay. i don't drink beer and i drained a coors light yeah yeah so like there's that but like nowadays and i said this to people before i'm like farming now is a nine-to-five job for a lot of people mm-hmm they clock in and clock out and they sit in a tractor with air conditioning and a radio. I, I think that that's a very um, bold and generalized statement for you to make. What? But it, you see a lot of these, like you see guys running up and down. They're in big tractors. Like they don't, like they don't wear a long sleeve shirt because you ain't touching the hay. Like mm. it is very, um, and I'm not meaning <laughs> <Poor> it. Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Luke got a real bad. Luke never did hay before. I'm like, you, you don't wear a long sleeve shirt on. And dog. very, very allergic. Yeah. He was broken out in the worst hives I it, think like, I've ever one seen. Bale. Yeah. Like. I have no, and it, like his eyes blew up. Kate said Monday he was in pretty <laughs> rough shape. <laughs> like, it's just, and, and I, 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 I shouldn't probably be quite as uh callous with saying it but like it is very much like and I, they i mean it harvest season planting season, yeah they work a lot more hours and stuff like that i'm not saying it's a night it's absolutely nine to five but it's more like that where like i think the statement that you're making applies more to people who are working for companies that do crap cash cropping well, the problem is there's a lot more of them anymore than certainly that. but i think again i think you're a little bit off side by saying that you know for most people, farming is a nine to five because our, but I'm here, stop. Cause I want you to really listen because the farmers that we have experience with in the gym are passionate about their family farms. 100%. They are not nine to fivers. The problem is I think that they are, if you look at the number of people doing it that way or the number of people doing it like as a nine to five job, <clears throat> not the number of people, the number of I don't know, acres farmed, whatever, like it is way more the other way now. I mean, especially when you look at like these GPS systems, when there's not even anybody sitting in the driver's seat and the tractor's just going by itself. Yeah. Like, like, and that's what I said, like nowadays, like what we, what we're doing is somewhat laughable and to have to recruit the people to do that and everything, because even, even at a smaller scale, these guys have big tractors. They big, they do big bales. They use bale fork or bale, yeah. uh, bale spears. So, they, I mean, like, yeah, to, to kind of go back to why we're doing it this way. And I was kind of thinking about it when I was looking at the stack of bales. I'm like, man, we should just get a big round baler. And I'm like, then what? Then we need a bigger tractor. Then we need a bale spear. Then we need, like, we need some place for one cow. Well, so to do a, to run a baler to do small squares, you need a $60,000, use $60,000 baler. But to this is my those, point. Like, yeah. the way that we're doing it is is the way that our farm needs to do it. It's just, it's exponentially more work. Hundred percent. Like you I, can't, you can't compare what Mike is doing on the scale that Mike is doing, doing it to to how we're doing it. Like so, last week, um, our kitchen got its pictures taken because we did a beautiful kitchen renovation, and our contractor um, wants to enter our kitchen in the London Home Builder Awards for um, most dramatic transformation. <laughs> that's a category Uh, yeah did they write that category for us maybe no i think it's a thing anyway 
So they came over and um, brought a photographer on Thursday. And just for, you know, interest's sake, I, I don't know how this stack of papers has survived, but we found when we, well, when you moved into the house, there was a stack of papers, um, land transfers and mortgage paperwork that go all the way back to the beginning of the history of this house. It's quite fascinating. And there's also an envelope of pictures. And in the envelope pictures, there's the, the family that... And probably neighbors. Probably neighbors, like young boys and a, and a, you know, a man doing hay with horse and buggy and sickle and like piles Cutting of... and stacking and... Yeah. So we'll, we'll, I'll take a picture of a photograph and we'll... <laughs> We'll post that. Of a wedding? No, that's... (laughs) And we'll post that um, in the show notes because that's pretty cool. Like... Yeah, Yeah, it's fun to see. Like, and those those photos are only... Are half as old as that house, as the house is. Those photos were like... There was dates on the back of some of them in the like 40s and 50s. So is it safe to say that that backfield has always been pasture? I don't think so. Hmm. I think that at some point that was i don't i shouldn't say that yeah. because i'm surrounded by another like we're like that is surrounded by another what 40 some odd acres of, of nothing but pasture and it's been pasture as long as i've been here and no signs of anything else yeah there's cash crop about a mile either way but but if they always had grazing animals then the previous two owners were horse breeders so they would have kept it as pasture either had their animals on it or cut it as hay wouldn't that be wild that 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 pasture has been like grass for i'm sure like we we well we didn't seed it 200 years we didn't seed it with actual seed we seed it by mowing everything down but i'm guessing sometime over the years people have seen i'm sure that um the neighbor when he was cutting it for hay seeded it at some point just he never put nothing but fertilizer really or never put nothing but fertilizer huh that's yeah. interesting. So something to think about. That's kind of cool. So bail slower. Yeah, rake the keep... windrows. That's the other one. Is I think that's part of. The, I think there's two reasons why the bales are inconsistent. Uh, I think because partly I was running, I wasn't necessarily consistent, um, and certainly not consistent with the raking. Mm-hmm. I think the better rows that you get, the better it will feed in and pack. Yeah, I think. Yes, you have to go slower. Yes, we want tight bales, but I think that baler is having a hard time managing the volume of a tight bale with wet hay. Yeah. That it's, yeah. I did notice it was a lot better on the dry stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think like even more so on the on the baleage. So what are we going to do with those bales of wet hay that stayed on the field? We're just going to cut them open and... I Actually, today I was driving around and I kind of stuck my hand in them. They don't feel hot, which is not, not bad. Which doesn't, which doesn't mean we're going to wrap them. I almost was thinking like I should collect them up, bring them up, lay them out so it's nice and easy. I don't have to walk and drive through the whole freaking pasture to bail, to rebale them. Yeah. If I cut them open, lay them out, let it dry and bail them up for dry for dry hay. Yeah. There's only like 10 out there. I mean, if that's your plan, we should do that sooner rather than later so it doesn't start getting moldy. Yeah. Although rain this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Not that much, and not even like enough to be annoying, but not enough to matter. Yeah. Although it does make me more comfortable with our gardens. I'm worried about the gardens getting flooded. The way I'm worried about my lavender. 
It was I planted the one... a whole bunch of lavender and the drip hoses don't seem to go out that far. I did. I adjusted some of them a little bit and the one looks the in bed. One looks good and bed two looks a little bit yellow. But most of the rest of the a lot of potatoes coming up. The potatoes look a lot really of good. The onions up. look good. Not a single piece of corn. The birds must have eaten all of it. Zero percent germination on the corn. So somebody said, like, to help with that, they say if you actually germinate it in indoors first and plant it as seedlings rather than, hmm. which seems ridiculous to do with corn. So can you just germinate it between like two pieces of wet paper towel kind of deal? No, I think you need it actually like soil. You, you no, you need like green stuff poking up for the for the birds not to get it. Hmm. If it's just sprouted, I, I think they'll still grab it. Jerks. Oh, between them and the rabbits. I should, no. <laughs> yes, we could get the rabbits. I'm waiting for the babies to grow up for meal size. Um, So you had a little visit with the ducks this morning. Yeah, so. They're we, starting to get flight feathers. So we start, I, start, I, I said this the other day, I'm like, there's going to, like, we can't get a hold of these things. So the ducks have kind of been. I, I just not, since we put them out into the pond, we watch them. Every we now still and again. we still go out there and check on them and give them food and make them safe and make sure they're safe and all of that. But like largely, they're just doing their duck thing in the pond, like they're expressing their duckness. <laughs> they're they're in full expression of their duckitude, except um, flight so far. Well, and so I would hate to just go out there and discover that our birds are flying you know and i saw three ducks that were flying overhead the other day and they just didn't seem to know where they were going or even how to fly and i was like oh shit is that our ducks so i said i said the other day i was like it's getting close to we're gonna have to clip these wings pretty soon Mm -hmm. and i'm like how are we gonna get them yeah so this morning as i was just kind of puttering around and finish up chores and everything i was over there and i grabbed a scoop of food and i threw the food in the, the little look i put the food in the duck house mostly because i don't want all the other birds and stuff to get it mm-hmm. so i put a scoop of food in the bird house or in the duck house and was just kind of standing there watching for a second and they all kind of came over and if i moved they all swam back out but if i stood pretty still they would all come on so, like, I don't know. I stood there for a minute, and they all ended up in the duck house. And you were actually, I was on the phone with you for a minute when, mm-hmm. when this was happening. So I was like, I think I can close the door. <laughs> so I kind of, like, slowly snuck away, like, backed away from the door. <laughs> and I went around. I had to turn the electric fence off. Turn the fence off. And don't over. forget that part, because yeah. that, that fence is hot. And it is <laughs> um, <clears throat> testicle height. <laughs> um. So I shut the fence off, hopped over, like all out of view of the ducks. And they're just macking on it. They had a whole tray of food gone. It was crazy. I cl- And I just, there's a little slider door that when it was chickens, we used to close it up every night. Ducks mostly just like, I don't know, sleep they in the water. They just stay They sleep in the grass. They sleep in the tall grass. So I, I go over, I just close the door and they're stuck. Yeah. I was like, haha, this is how we're going to do it. So I went in, uh, you can pick them up pretty easy. But I figure if we just kind of like Are do they that, starting to quack or they still sound like babies? Uh, they're still more chirpy than quacky. Yeah. But it is changing. But they, I mean, they are, they're looking like ducks, but they mm-hmm. are starting to get little sprouts of flight feathers. So I was like, ah, yeah, this is going to have to, there's not enough to clip quite yet, I don't yeah. think. But you it's going to be in the next, longer. it's not going to be long. <laughs> so. so I ordered more um, chickens from the feed mill, the feed store 
for pickup. So we're going to get more broilers at the end of June. June 27th is the pickup date, which also coincides with the roughly the, the butcher date of the this set that we currently have. So we'll butcher those on the weekend to make room for day-olds. We've got three roosters that are going to go with them. Three more hens that are going to get rehomed. They're going to go over to Erica's place. We're going to, you know, so that set of six chicks that ended up hatching, we were a hundred percent hens. On they were set. young enough when they, when we took them over that I wasn't certain. And yeah, now, I now wasn't I'm sure like, either. Well, and it, it, and it makes, makes it make sense that uh, why I was having such a hard time trying to figure out which was which, because they're all the same. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's the water yeah, so on this one's up, a little bigger. We ended up with six hens. So we brought three over to Erica's already and kept three behind because we were convinced that they were roosters. But now that we know that they're not roosters, we'll um, we'll take those over to Erica's and help her integrate those into her flock. And she'll have nine hens, which is kind of cool. Um, so we've uh, more broilers are coming and then um, we're replacing our laying flock but we can't do that until september because we want to get ready to lay birds so. so we have traditionally been uh kept sassos can you stop sniffling into the microphone so we've kept... no you just did it again i have to um so we've traditionally kept sassos as our layers and they're not really layers they're dual purpose so we're going to kind of try something different we're going to go with real layers this time i think it won't matter because we'll have put 30 broiler birds into the freezer i still think i would like to get sassos i don't think it matters i mean even if we're butchering sassos at the end of their laying life they're still just going to be soup birds we're not gonna, we're not going to roast those I, I as like a full roasting chicken you're not going to part out a sasso no well, i don't know for sure when we're going to do what we're going to butcher some of these ones and i think it would be interesting to figure out what the finished weight is like how big is that bird the sasso yeah because we i mean we did some of the roosters and they were five and a half six pound birds like but the meat isn't good i think what i like to be able to do is if you bred them and and slaughtered them at three months i think they will be as good as the they will be very close to the same as our rustic rangers at 12 weeks if you fed them grower yes if you like didn't bring them up to lay and just did them right away so, i don't understand what the point of that is when we're bringing up so many rustic because rangers we have the option of hatching those we can't hatch rustic rangers i think it's more advantageous to have better egg layers because right now we have egg shortage like, we don't have enough eggs right now. Correct. So this I think saying, it's better to have the red sex link as... We have three different units that we can keep chickens in. Yeah. What I think we should do is, like, you've got your fancies in the middle, which aren't that fancy. But they lay okay. Um, I think you keep those guys. You get the, the sex links, and you put them in one unit, and we get some sassos and put them in the other unit. Because we can always just hatch those sassos and make our own meat birds. Hmm chicken math even just like eight you're not feeding a ton but we can put two days worth of well that's going to be in a next spring project because yeah. i wasn't able to get them as ready to lay we don't need them as well if, if that's what we're doing with it, if you already have ready delays and i don't want day old chicks going into the fall we did that once no thank you 
They end up being in my house for way too long. Uh, no, we've got the brooders out here. We can keep yeah, them Yeah, I don't... Listen. We can easily keep them out here. Where? In here? In the brooder. In... But where we in put the, the brooders? Here. We'll find a place for them. <sighs> Belties. For a couple of weeks, we can make that work. And then they can go in the outside with Listen, it closed up. Not if we don't have to. We don't have we don't have to make anything work. Like we'll have enough meat in the freezer, and we will have proper laying hens. We're, we'll be set up going into the winter time that we don't have to like engineer chicken math. Like we don't have to do that. Why do you like chicken so much? Um, because I've been successful at both eggs and meat. Okay, so having more of them makes you more successful? No, because it's a... Again, the, the the objection I have with... I love doing the rustic rangers. They're a great tasting bird. They're easy to do out on the pasture and everything. They actually forage pretty well. The The problem is we can't hatch our own. Right. That's the thing that always just... like That's the okay. little thorn that's so, always in my... So, arguably, it doesn't matter what kind of laying bird we have if we feed that laying bird grower feed if you look go look at your your fancies in unit two mm -hmm. compared to these the sassos they are night and day different because they're okay but they're a different breed of chicken that's my point but the red sex links are very similar to the sassos i don't think that they're going to be as big whatever they're gonna lay eggs <laughs> I don't really want to talk about chickens anymore. I actually don't give a shit about the chickens. <laughs> as long as you get eggs and meat, you're happy. I don't give a rip, honestly. <laughs> so I don't think we talked about my cheese making. Did we talk about cheese making we last talked, time? Yeah, we did. Did we? You only did the two. Yeah, you talked about it. No, I wasn't sure. But neither one of them turned out. <laughs> I threw them in the garbage. <laughs> you need to make butter again. Well, so now that we got the cream separator... So we moved the cream separator out into the milk house, which makes separating cream because we found, so. Which reminds me, we have to take the cream in the house. Yeah. We, um, we knew that you had to separate the cream immediately after milking and you have to warm up the cream separator. If you're using the cream separator, you need to do it immediately. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. If you're going to skim it, you can just put it in the fridge and do it tomorrow. Right. But who wants to do that? <laughs> If you have a cream separator, why wouldn't you use it? So it's both, there's pros and cons. The pros are that it separates the cream. And out of tonight's milking, we got a whole liter of cream, which you can do so many things with it, right? When you just put it into the jars, then you have to skim it off. And I don't think you're likely to do that and, and do, you know, whatever, six or eight jars at a time to have enough cream to do and you're not going to be as efficient at it as the cream separator is for sure. No. And But, so you need to do it when it's warm, when the milk is warm, and you need to warm up the machine. And we don't have hot water in the barn yet. We still need to get that piece figured out sooner rather than later, hopefully, because my hands are killing me from washing in cold water all the time. Um. So we, we have, we've been bringing the milk into the house to separate, which is one more step that up until now we haven't really been willing or able to add to the process, especially not with like, you know, hay and all the other things. So tonight we had a really good milking and we decided to, 
to bring the cream. Well, I brought the cream separator out last night, but we decided to separate tonight's batch of cream or batch of milk. And we ended up with about... Started with about eight liters of milk. Yeah. It was a good milking tonight. So eight liters of whole milk straight from the cow. Into the cream separator. And we ended up with one full liter and a little bit yeah. um, of, Not enough of for, cream. Enough for your coffee tomorrow morning. Yeah. I like my coffee creamy. You you like your you like your cream with coffee. Yeah. It's good. Um so I think yeah, going forward, I don't know if I'll continue to do that because after you've done a batch of milk, you have to take the cream separator completely apart and it's got these 10 or so stainless steel f- cones. It is a lot. That all stack together and push the cream it spins it in centrifugal centrifugal force pushes the cream out to the outside drains it out of one spout and the skim milk goes to the other side so and it's i think i'm finally getting the hang of it now that it's not messy but there are a lot of steps to make sure that you don't end up with milk and cream flying all over the place it also makes the cream the milk very frothy so there's a lot of air in the milk so you can't fill your 2 liter jar like you normally would so you have to wait for the the foam to settle so that you can top the jars back up and there's about 12 jars of milk 12 two liter jars of milk in the fridge right now that I need to open and like uh, uh what's the word I'm trying to look for like combine combine thank you <laughs> why was that so hard I think I just had a stroke um combine and fill like so I have to mess with just to save space in the fridge yeah, and to, and to fill up the jars. Like yeah. we've got twelve half full jars because they've foamed up. So if you if you've topped everything off, you'd have like three fewer jars in a yeah. lot more room. It's just such like it's just such a process just to have cream. So it's it is worth it, but it's a lot of work. So I don't know if we'll do that every milking. We probably won't do it every milking. No, On a big milking maybe. Well, and then next week, um, we got the keys for the house for the girls now. So next week we'll be kind of clearing out the stall that has all of their junk in it. And so it's just like, you know, we're unlocking, we're unlocking the next round of work that needs to be done. So we got prom this week. Let's get prom out of the way. We have to get some kids. stuff over to the house to clear out the stall so that we can move Lionel into the stall overnight. We can get more milk. So we can morning. milk Ruby in even, the morning. Nice even milking and then hopefully transition to once. I think we're still going to have to milk her twice a day, you know, until we get him sort of sorted. Because he doesn't seem to take milk from her during the daytime out on the pasture. I think He's eating grass and drinking water. Like, I don't think he's getting a lot of milk from Ruby during the day because A, she's full and B, I've never seen him nursing off of her in the field since we've kind of turned them out on pasture together. I think it just ends up, he chases her around the field. Like she doesn't let him nurse when they're out there. So little bugger. He's a little stinker. He got into the wrong pasture. (laughs) Did I say that already? Yeah. Snuck under the fence. Um, is that it? So we're, we we're got, at, we're at 55. We got more hay to do. Yeah. I'm going to Montreal. So have fun with that. <laughs> I'm going to do the dual car seat on either side of the tractor. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> we need a Ford with the flat wheel wells. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Put a car seat on either side. And... Okay. 
I don't know what we're going to do. Just attach an iPad to it. <laughs> well, and Olivia is going to her dad's house and I'm taking Maya with me. So. Hope Hannah's not working this week. <laughs> Call your parents. <laughs> uh, do you have a question? No. Oh. How tired are you? I'm pretty tired. My my body is sore. I was like... I am bruised in the strangest places from doing hay on Sunday. My arms are a little bit kind of itchy, carved up. Like There's like tiny little scratches all over my forearms. It's, it's weird. For as bad as my skin is and how like a, a reaction, like how I react to a lot of things, I, I moved all that hay. Yeah. 40 whatever bales. With a t-shirt on. I'm surprised. Like, I, I, that's one thing that just never, that, like, hay doesn't bother me. So my right leg has some pretty significant bruises on it. And I think it's from holding the vice grips with my thigh because the, they're like, yeah, just the vibration. The so the bail wrapper, we had to use a, pa- a pair of vice grips to spin the turntable that rotated the bail so that we could wrap it. And my hand was getting sore from holding the vice grips and the, like the vibration of the machine I had a pair of gloves on, but still, like, you really... And you had to hold it the whole time. And you had There's to, like, supposed to be a way that it auto-starts and stops. Well, if they would I have just... sent us the rest of the parts, that would be great. So I ended up just kind of holding the vice grips, like, pushing the vice grips with my leg. So I think that's where those bruises mm-hmm. came from. And I have one here on the inside of my hand, like, between my index finger and my thumb. I have a bruise right there. Can you see it? Right there? Yeah, a little bit. I don't know what that's from. I... Um, I like to get my nails done. So I'm a farmer with acrylic nails. <laughs> um, and I almost ripped one completely off on Sunday. It hurt so bad because it didn't break. It just like pulled my nails so friggin' hard. So I went and got my nails fixed today and Susan gave me a hard time. <laughs> What are you doing? She told me that I needed darker nail polish to hide should, the dirt. <laughs> you should have showed her the stack of bales. This is what I was doing. Yeah. So. All right. Well, there might not be a whole lot happening between next week. Oh, we checked on the beast today. That's right. There's a little bit of action, but still kind of. Well, and the good news is the hive that tipped over that we weren't sure is seems to be doing okay. Two. So queen, just as long as the queen made it, they, they just need the queen to survive but, and. But no new stack. You don't no. get to expand it yet. Not yet. I'm going to go to Earth and Honeybee next week. So I think next Thursday is the date that I picked to go visit um, Melissa again. So we're going to go do that. Cool. All right. Can you think of anything else? Nope. That's her. Things that we need to pin for next week. I think next week's going to be light because there's not, gonna, not much going to happen this weekend. No. It Guard, seems like... Guards will have a little update. It seems like but... all of our stuff happens on the weekend. Well, because that's when we can get more stuff done. Yeah, the weeks are pretty busy. This All week right. especially, prom. Yeah. Taking, taking possession of the house. Vacation. Not vacation. A little road trip. Uh, Montreal is going to be a vacation. I booked a Nordic spa. So, and I, I'm probably going to be able to sleep. <laughs> I might take some sleep aids with me. Makes one of us. <laughs> All right, folks. Until next week.